Today on CityCast Chicago, we're looking back on the last week of summer with the co-founders of The Tribe, Editor-in-Chief Tiffany Walden and publisher Morgan Elise Johnson are in the building. It's Friday, September 23rd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Good morning, Morgan. Good morning, Tiffany. Welcome to CityCast. Good morning. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. This is my first time on. (laughs) We're excited to have (laughs) y'all. Morning, morning. Happy to be back. This is my second time, I think, on here. I love having both of y'all together. Um, We love the tribe here. We started the week uh, Monday looking back at some classic jingles that still smack in the city with Chastity Cooper, who wrote an amazing story, uh, which is why I can't get Adriana first out of my head. Once you start, you can't stop. Like, it's just there for like two weeks. Feel the warmth (laughs) luxury that you deserve. <laughs> See, you add an extra stuff to it because the song did not do that. It, it don't, but you know. <laughs> Add some we, extra sauce we and some extra it. flavor. We it. <laughs> uh, Morgan, yeah. where are you calling in from this morning? And if there's a spot in your neighborhood that you'd love to visit and when I pull up next time, where do I need to stop at? Mm, so I'm calling in from the West Loop. And, you know... Every day there's a new building being erected, more construction. It's getting very scary over here, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got no place of, of of comfort, no park, no no restaurant or bar you like to pop into. Our sub sandwich place. <laughs> okay, D'Amato's is very, it is very special to me. Like that bread over there mm-hmm. is just, it warms your spirit. <laughs> like those people know me in there. It's just like... Please. They got it ready for you. Uh, Tiffany, where are you calling from this morning? And what's the spot in your neighborhood that people got to stop by? I'm calling in from Wicker Park. And um, one of my favorite spots over here is Dr. Burr's. Black-owned, Jamaican spot. Um, they have like the, I call it the Dinner, D-I-N-N-A. Um, I love the steak one, but you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to be a better person. I'm trying to stop with red meat. So I'm going to praise the chicken one. I'm going to praise the salmon one. But... <laughs> But yeah, if you open this way around Milwaukee, like go to Dr. Bird's, that's the jam. Hey, come on. Sandwiches, steak dinner plates. I'm loving it. Let's get into the stories from this week. It's a lot going on in the city of Chicago. Morgan, I want to start with you. What's the story that you want to highlight this day? Well, our reporter, Tony Hill, Um, reported yesterday a story about city council and how there's going to be a major shakeup, Mm -hmm. hopefully. You know, there's a total of 15 city council members that have stepped down or somehow announced that they are retiring or launching a campaign to run against Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Or in true Chicago fashion, they are getting indicted for random scandals and, you know, bribery or whatever. This story is called, Will the 2023 Municipal Election Push the Chicago Aldermanic Black Caucus Further Left? So we're very interested in watching the aldermanic races, seeing if any new progressive leaders will emerge. Mm -hmm. And when we look at that list of 15, um, 
you know, a good amount of them are in the Black Caucus. We're looking at, like you said, three who are retiring, Harrison, Brookings, Austin. You got Sawyer Jr. and King running for election. Um, but as Tonya covered, what it means to be progressive. And so we know we're going to have turnover with at least 15 people doing something. But is that turnover going to move further left? Is it going to look more progressive? And so when we look at what it means to 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 run as a progressive for city council, Tiffany, what does that mean? What are those individuals focused on that other aldermanic candidates aren't? I think the SEIU president, Greg Kelly, like really raised an important um, conversational piece in the story where he mentions that, like, you know, uh, we have to be careful when we're using the word progressive because it can rub people the wrong way. And I think, you know, we're in this this age and this time where a lot of like Republican right wing people have taken the word and just made it a derogatory term. Mm -hmm. They've attached it to like, you know, this whole conversation about inner cities being lawless, uh, cities with Democratic leaders being lawless um, on the uh, on the flip side, too. Um, you have politicians like Mayor Lightfoot did in 2019 who co-opt that language and then just call themselves a progressive and they still doing the same old that people were already doing. Morgan, do you believe that there is a crop of young candidates who are thinking about progressive politics in a more holistic way, affordable housing, mental health and the like? I do think there is a cohort of new kind of like younger voices that are focusing on institutions that are nourishing institutions rather than punitive, rather than institutions that focus on punishment. So for instance, they're saying, how can we um, invest in institutions that promote housing for all, healthcare for all, um, nutrition and, and food justice, environmental justice, things like that that create safe environments for people to live and to thrive. Mm -hmm. Tiffany, have you seen anything from the incumbent alder uh, people in, in the Black Caucus? Do you see them moving further left? You know, it's kind of tough because even if you look at what Brookings said in the story, what Alderman Brookings said in the story, like he really believes that he's on the more progressive liberal side of things um, because he did. I mean, to his credit, he was a sponsor for the reparations ordinance for a lot of the John Burr's torture survivors. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, he turned around and he voted for the Cop Academy, um, something that organizers and um, a lot of black youth, black and brown and queer youth were on the ground fighting so adamantly against. He voted for that. Um, so it's it's one of those things where I just, I just think we have to have new voices in there because these people over time, I mean, I'm sure probably compared to folks before them, they might be progressive. And I just want to add that, you know, this question about policing and safety is also an economic issue for a lot of people, um, especially older Black Chicagoans who, you know, they may be employed by the police department. Like, let's keep it real. Like when we went to um, a community meeting that the city had that Mayor Lightfoot hosted on the West Side, she was very much um, promoting policing as like a a job opportunity, a way for Black people to get into the middle class and, you know, acquire wealth. Yeah. Tiffany, do you think people with so many elections happening around us, mayoral, uh, the governor's race is happening, do you think people even know how important 
the the city council is to the daily functions of our city and how do we work together to you know kind of make that even clearer I think the average person doesn't really know um I grew up in in North Lawndale and it never occurred to me that the alderman was important or did anything you know I just knew about the mayor um so even me as a reporter um I'm learning now a lot of these things that I didn't know growing up. And with all of these elections kind of happening at the same time, uh, people may vote in the midterm election in November, and then you turn around and there's a city election. And it's like, well, damn, I just voted. What am I voting for now? Right. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's very important for all media outlets to just make it very, very clear like what these different elections are, what the roles of these people are. I think that's really important for in order to get the voter turnout that we hope to get this next time around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to stay with elections here, Morgan. I want to move on to a story about Mayor Lori Lightfoot, right? Uh, you know, she was on BET uh, earlier this week. Uh, but she's really been, we've been talking a lot about progressivism. You know, that word is popping up in a lot of her literature, uh, lately, a lot of her social media posts. Can you speak to this? Well, it's election season, y'all. And we we saw this once, you know, when she first ran for office, she very much co-opted language of um, young black queer organizers who very much were organizing against her and who knew who she was from when she was the president of the police board. And then she got into office and all of a sudden the identity politics of I'm black, I'm gay, I'm progressive, that kind of went out the door. Um, We saw during the 2020 uprisings, the way that she used uh, city trucks, salt trucks as weapons, raising the bridges, cutting off access to public transport what can I talk? Cutting off access to <laughs> cutting off access to public transportation, you know, all of this when you are really restricting people's access to downtown, you know, it's it's cop behavior. Okay, it's not progressive. Uh, Morgan, you sent me a graphic, which is Mayor Lori Lightfoot's progressive accomplishments, and there are six key points on here: economic development and justice, neighborhood development public safety, police reform, immigration, environment, and sustainability, right? To the administration's credit, some of these things are real, right? They, they actually happen. But as you pointed out, a lot of them, like the Independent Civilian Oversight Board, these are things that are were not one easy. These were not things that were just, you know, given to the city of Chicago or implemented on the back of this mayor, but were fought for after years and years and years of organizing. And... I also want to add in too. I don't. I haven't had a chance to chance to read it in full. But Crane's Chicago Business posted a story about Lightfoot's like premier um, platform, which is like Invest Southwest. Um, anytime you ask her anything about Black folks in Chicago, we always talk about Invest Southwest, right? None of those projects have even broken ground, and it's been three years. And they were all. There were like two projects, I believe. The article says that was supposed to break ground. Uh, within 18 months. So um, I'm sure, you know, the the conversation is going to pivot to her having to deal with a pandemic. But it's it's very, very crucial and important that we held her accountable about Invest Southwest because the story talks about like a, a stretch of um, Chicago Avenue from Humboldt Park going out west to like Austin, which is like a completely dilapidated area up the west side. 
and it hasn't seen any development in like 40 years. And I guess one of those uh, Invest Southwest projects was supposed to happen over there and nothing has happened over there. So even in the BET interview, she's talking about uh, we're going to be on track to meet $2 billion for this project. And we're seeing our, we are seeing our neighborhoods be transformed. But the West Side looks exactly the same. Tiffany, you have done a lot of work recently on misinformation, right? Whether it's the Safety Act, uh, but uh, a story you wanted to focus on today uh, was uh, regarding uh, an iconic home in Austin. Can you talk about it? Yeah, so um, I'm very into misinformation right now. I think we need to like nip this in the bud before we even get to uh, the municipal elections next year. But um, recently, I think it was Chicago Media Takeout um, posted a picture of the pink house in Austin on Central. Um, the media takeout is like one of those like social media blogs. Yeah, like a hip hop and culture blog. Um, they posted saying RIP, like, you know, they're, they're demolishing this house. And uh, when I saw it, I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. But yeah, everybody had something to say. And, you know, everybody was distraught about that because it is like kind of a, um, a staple on the West Side. People pass it every day. And um, Black Club, uh, wrote a story saying that the house is not being demolished. Um, what's actually happening is that um, they're doing some uh, renovations. They probably won't be pink anymore. They're going to change the color, but they are doing renovations to the house so it won't be torn down. This is the second thing recently uh, that has just spiraled out of control with these culture and hip-hop blogs just posting whatever. Uh, we had the Safety Act, uh, quote-unquote, purge law misinformation was um, spreading around too. I just, I don't understand, you know, why, um, well, I guess I understand why it's all about money, but a lot of misinformation about Black Chicago just continues to, to like surface and, and spread and resurface and, and spread go viral. Yeah. and go viral. And it's just, it's so harmful to the community when these things happen um, that I just really wish it would stop. <laughs> I look at hip hop blogs, hip hop and culture blogs that cover Chicago, and it's so interesting how people have a trust for an anonymous blogger, but they don't have trust for for people in the news who are visible and transparent. And we do our best to be as visible and transparent as possible, but we don't we still don't have the following of a Chicago media takeout. So we're even like looking at ourselves and being like okay, what are we doing wrong? Like, what are they doing right when it comes to reaching audience? There's so much media education that, that is needed. There's so much med media literacy that is needed. There's so much more community engagement that is needed of us. Having talked about municipal elections, misinformation, um, you know, I think we got to lead the people with some good news to get them through the weekend. Morgan, what is your some good news? I'm like, oh, my God, I'm on today. Yeah, I mean, you I have a to, nice home, a nice vibrato, you yeah, know? Like, was you in choir in high school or anything? <laughs> like, in, you know? in grammar school, you know, and maybe a little bit, <laughs> a little musical theater between the ages of five and 15, you know, a little something. Okay, yeah. 
I love musical theater and music in general. So as we're bidding farewell to summer, which is my favorite season, my mm-hmm. birthday season, um, I just the whole have to season. say the whole season, is the whole season. season, the whole season is my birthday season. Yes, it is. <laughs> but it's really been a summer of music for me. Um, I've seen so many artists. Saw Janet Jackson in concert this summer. Jasmine Sullivan. Most importantly, um, my mother, <laughs> Diana Ross. Tracy, your saw sister. her at Ravinia. <laughs> Saw her at Ravinia, and it was the most beautiful, transformative experience. I've been obsessed with Diana Ross since I was a little girl and watching The Wiz over and over and over on repeat. And she gave us ease on down the road. And I I swear to you, I just lit up from the inside out. I did cry, and I told all my family that I saw <laughs> Diana <laughs> And they were like, I'm so glad that that happened for you. <laughs> they all understand. <laughs> we posted a picture and tagged Diana, and she included us in her reel. So, Come on. her reel recap. It's yeah, the, so the we summer, made the it summer to her recap reel. Yeah, we made it to her Instagram reel. And so that's like officially highlight of my life, highlight of my summer. And summer can be over now, okay? Mm-hmm. So that plus... A Beyonce Renaissance party hosted by you the taking Black- all the good news. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, Tiffany, I'll let you, go, you talk you about the Beyonce with the, party. With the Renaissance party. Yeah, of could- course, <laughs> Tiffany was there with me. That cracked. Um, Elijah McKinnon and um, and I, I don't even I don't remember the whole name of the group. The Black Jenna, a bunch of just like super fabulous fine black queer artists who who run this organization called the black agenda i don't really know all that they do but they just pop up and give us fabulous experiences i guess it's, like it started because morgan was on twitter just like why haven't we had a renaissance party in chicago yet was it and really it, me i think it was <laughs> like you tweeted that and elijah came right up under your tweet and was like hold on please and then like two days later it was like save the date we're doing this party and so was the entire party like dedicated to basically playing the album on the loop and just y'all enjoying y'all self with like drinks and small plays like put take me that for a second we went to see Diana first in, in Ravinia, and we knew we only had a certain amount of time because we had to be at that party by 10 o'clock. Did she happen the same so day, Phil? Like it was the it same day. It happened the same day, so it was just like <laughs> orgasm of good things that day <laughs> for me. For me. <laughs> so we yeah. leave Diana, and we go straight to this party at Blind Barber, which, if you don't know, it's... It's a speakeasy club in the back of a barbershop. Yeah. You know, it's it's dark lighting in there, red lights. They there was a disco ball in there. Um, Elijah McKinnon, he was the DJ for the evening, which meant that he just pressed play <laughs> on Renaissance, Beyonce's album, and let it play all the way through. And we really danced the night away. And I haven't danced that hard in a club. Probably for like 15 years. I kid you not. Mm. This was just like sweating, dancing, singing at the top of your lungs, losing your voice, dropping it like it's hot, waving fans, voguing, just body rolls. It Mm. was just up the entire time. It was almost, I almost like, I couldn't breathe at a point. And then like I had to slow down. 
And then Heated came on and everybody just brought out their fans. <laughs> and it was just like, this is, this album is insane. And we still had four more songs to go. We were like, I don't know how we're going to make it through. We got to stop dancing. We got to take a breath. We got to drink some water. But, you know. You said track 10 and on, we was fighting for our lives. Yeah, for me, that was the last, that was the last day of summer. And I haven't, I, that was like, I haven't, because I was listening to Renaissance every day, like three, four times a day in the car, <laughs> in the house, at Morgan's house, in the bed, like, and I haven't, I actually haven't listened to it since. Oh my God. Um, I'm going to leave CityCast listeners with a little bit of some good news. And I'm going to keep it brief because ain't no way to top that. Uh, if it was a summer of, of music and I got out to a bunch of street festivals, a bunch of block parties, it was also a summer of food. And so I'm going to round out the summer this weekend at the Harris Theater in Millennium Park. Uh, and, and I'm going to just be eating for like three days in a row. Um, it, Chicago Gourmet Festival is back. And they're going to have tacos and tequila tonight. They're going to have the hamburger hop tomorrow. Um, and, and then they're gonna have like a a, a, a late night wine and like uh, cheese and like spirits little joint on Saturday. So I'm probably gonna pop out to at least like one of three, two of three. And if I'm and if I'm feeling good, maybe even three of three. I, I might need to spread the wealth to some other Chicago events. But uh, you can definitely catch me at the Harris Theater at Chicago Gourmet, uh, eating and drinking uh, uh, until it's time to come back to work on Monday. All I want to say is, and I do want this to be in the recording, is that if Beyonce like comes to Chicago and has a party, please, 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 please call Elijah. <laughs> That's the only way it would get done the way that it needs to be done. Two of the co-founders of the tribe, Tiffany Walden, Morgan Elise Johnson. Thank y'all for making time for us over at CityCast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Before I let you go, with the close of summer means two things. One, it's time to break out the fall layers. And two, it's the end of our City Cash Chicago Summer Bucket List Challenge. I want to give a huge congrats to our winner, Annie. Uh, if I'm correct, she did every single thing on the bucket list from the Baja Temple up in Wilmette to getting a sweet steak down in Gresham. To celebrate, we're having a City Cash Chicago happy hour next Thursday, September 29th at 6 o'clock at Midwest Coast Brewery in the West Loop. You can come out and meet the team, grab some City Cash stickers, some postcards, and have a drink on us. Invite your friends, and remember, everything is free. I got to thank the people who make City Cash Chicago possible. That's lead producer Carrie Shepard, producer Simone Alisea, our newsletter writer, Sydney Madden, our producer, Lizzie Goldsmith, the people who make the music we love, all the kimonos, Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop, and Sam Thousand. As always, my last appreciation is for you. Thank you for making time for CityCast Chicago. We'll be back in your inbox and your feed on Monday. I'll talk to you then. Peace. Can we hit that? Some good news. I feel like I, I need to harmonize that. Like... Of course. Come on. Y'all got to do it with me, though. All right. I'm going to go one, two, one, two, three. Some good news. That, that's how I'm going to do it. All right. So here we go. Okay. A one, a two, a one, two, three. Some good, good news. news. Now you changed the key. Did I? Like, you got to stay me. Did, did it move?